Well, it's great to see all of you guys. It's good to kind of get people together again, even a little bit over the end of the summer. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed getting together once a month with the guys or with the girls and just getting a chance to reconnect a little bit. But I'm so excited about three weeks from tonight when we are going to get things rolling for a new year. It's going to be awesome. So make sure you're signed up. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited to get back. This is the first ministry I've been a part of that like takes breaks. So I'm like sitting around all summer like, what do I do? This is weird. Uh, I have other things to do. Don't, don't worry about that. Um, but I'm so excited to get Thrive back into the weekly schedule. But tonight, we want to wrap up our summer series where we've been looking at Psalm 119. And I would guess in a room this size, probably most of us have at some point in our lives had a gym membership. Or maybe you went to a school where you had access to a, a, a gym. That's probably something most of us have had. And if you've had that, you probably had an experience like I had recently when my wife and I signed up for a gym and we go and they're like, oh, well, as a part of signing up, you get one free session with a trainer. And so I'm thinking, all right, I'm new to the gym. See what's going on. I'll, I'll take it. Give me the free session with the trainer. So my wife and I go in. She's got her girl trainer. I've got my dude trainer. And we're, uh, you know, we, we go through that. They work us harder than we've been worked in a while. And then they, like, pull us into the room at the end to talk about some different things. And then they're like, and if you want to, you can have more private sessions with the trainer. And then they give you this piece of paper that tells you how much that is going to cost. And I remember seeing that and being like, wait, so I'm paying this much, and then there's more. I'm like, this is kind of like Disneyland. I thought I was paying a lot of money just to get in, but then I find out, whoa, once I'm inside, everything is expensive. So I said thanks, but no thanks. But clearly... There's a lot of people that aren't doing that. A lot of you, you're signed up for those private sessions. Some of you, your trainers giving those private sessions. Because why do people do that? Because people are willing to pay to learn how to do something well. There's a lot of people out there that say, hey, if I'm going to do this gym thing, I want to do it right. I want to get the most out of it that I possibly can. So is it going to cost me something to, to do that and get the best advice and coaching and counsel I can get? Okay, I'll pay it. And maybe the gym's not your thing, but think about how much money goes into golf lessons every year. Somebody think, I'm, if I'm going to do this, I, I want to get good at it, or music lessons, or cooking lessons, or whatever it may be. And we might all vary on this, but we probably all have something in our life that's like, man, I really want to learn how to do this, and I really want to learn how to do this well, and I'd make sacrifices, I'd pay money to have someone teach me how to do this well. But I think there's one thing that we could all agree, that we would all say, man, I want to do this well, and that thing is life itself. We all want to live life well. In fact, there might be a lot of other things. It might be the gym, eh, I'm fine with where I'm at. You know, cooking, I, I, I can, we got lots of restaurants. I, I can handle that. But I think we all want to live life well. Deep down inside, I don't think any of us are saying, eh, life, who cares? Or at least you didn't start that way, even if that what, maybe is what you're saying now, we all have this innate sense, we've only got one life to live. I don't want to blow it. I want to live it well. How am I going to do that? Well, the Bible has a term that means living life well, and that term is wisdom. Wisdom is the skill of living life. Now, here's the thing. How do we get that? How do we get that wisdom that it's going to take to live this life well, to live this life in an excellent fashion. And that's what we want to talk about tonight from Psalm 119. So take your Bibles and open them up, and we're going to look at the section 
verses 97 through 104. Each time we've got together over the summer, we've looked at one of the sections, Psalm 119, longest chapter in the Bible, and it's an acrostic poem where there's 22 sections, there's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, and each section, you know, there's eight verses in all of them. Those eight lines all start with the same Hebrew letter. So if you have an ESV, four verse uh, 97, it says mem, uh, which is one of the Hebrew letters. So in the Hebrew, all eight of these verses begin with the letter mem. And we want to look at this section tonight, see what is it going to teach us about what's it, what it's going to take to live life well. Uh, look along as I read these verses. It says, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. And if you focus there on that first verse, oh how I love your law, it is my meditation all the day. And that idea there of, of meditation is something that gets brought up in all of the first three verses of this section. Next verse, your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. Kind of God's word, it's always with me, it's always on my mind. And then verse 99, I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. And that's one of the big things I really want us to focus on tonight, is that we get this wisdom that we need to live life through meditation. And literally, if you look at that word in the Hebrew, it has the idea of, of muttering to yourself, of talking to yourself. Um, and that's not really what we think about when we hear the word meditation. It's kind of emptying uh, your mind of things. But if you think, really, the idea of meditation is just really thinking deeply about something. And there's a word we have in the English language. It's kind of one of those SAT words to, to express that, and that's ruminate. And that's the idea, to think deeply about something. Well, where does that word come from? Kind of get that word from animals. And two months ago when we got all the men together, we talked about this picture a little bit, and we'll develop it a little more tonight. But there's a kind of animals that are called ruminants. And the most famous ruminant that you're all familiar with is a cow. And these kind of animals, their stomach has four different sections. And the first section is called the rumen. So the cow is out there eating the grass. And what it does is it swallows the grass, and it goes into that first part of the stomach, the rumen. And then you've heard how a cow or animals that chew the cud. Because basically what happens is, I'll try not to be too graphic thinking about it. I'm not talking about a human doing this. This is a cow. But they bring it back up into their mouth and they chew on it some more. Kind of it goes into the first part of their stomach, it starts breaking it down a little bit, gives it a little more moisture, and sends it back up so that then they can just kind of keep chewing on it to help the digestive process out. Can we just thank God we're not cows for a second, that he did not give us a four-part stomach? Amen and amen. But really, that's a great picture, even if slightly uncomfortable one, of biblical meditation. You graze in God's word, you bring it into 
your mind, then you kind of swallow it, you go on to other things, but then you, you bring it back into your mind and you keep chewing on it. That's right, right there at the top of your worksheet, it's going to say, chew on God's word. Chew on God's word. And then we're going to talk about why we should do that. But I want to just start by talking about this idea of chewing on God's word. I mean, you want protein, you know, there's certain kind of things you should eat. There's certain kind of, you know, shakes you should get at the gym to, to fill you with protein. You want vitamin C, there's certain foods that will give you that. You want wisdom, then you need to eat God's word. That's where we're going to get it from. And in the Bible, the, the picture is more than just eating it, it's chewing on it. It's ruminating on it, meditating. You know, if we want to chew the cud of God's word, the nutrient we're going to get out of that is wisdom. The, the more and more we chew it, the more and more we think about it, the, the wiser we are going to become, and really the better at life we are going to be. And let's get a little more specific from a picture of a cow to how this actually would look like in our lives. How does somebody actually meditate? Again, not the idea that we've got in our culture of trying to empty our mind of everything. It's trying to fill our mind with God's word. And, and this whole process starts with, like the cow, it starts with the grazing. If we aren't putting the word into our minds, there's not going to be anything for us to chew there. And so what's this going to look like? It's going to look like being in God's word on a consistent basis. It's going to look like listening to good uh, Bible teaching, taking advantage of all the opportunities that we have to hear God's word. And, and here's the thing. We have more access to these kind of things than anybody's ever had in all of history. You guys realize that? We have more access to God's word. We have more access to great books about the Bible, more access to great sermons on the Bible than anybody has ever had. And it makes me sad as a pastor to kind of look out on these green, green pastures and see malnourished people. The problem isn't the lack of resources. The problem is something in us. And it's got to start with, we got to get out there and, and graze. We got to Getting God's word consistently. That's to be a consistent part of our life. We want to really take advantage of the teaching opportunities we have right here at this church. And maybe even beyond that, through, through the internet, all the sermons that you could have access to. We want to graze on God's word as often as we can. Now, if we're really going to chew on it, if we're really going to meditate on it, when we get those times to listen to a sermon or hopefully even just a daily practice of being in God's word, Get back to the cow. When the cow first eats the grass, they, they chew it just enough to kind of give it a little moisture, and then they swallow it. And that's even a good picture, kind of, even as we're grazing on God's word, even initially, there has to be kind of, we got to chew on it a little bit. We got to do more than just like, all right, read, read, read. Oh, that's the end. I'm done. What's next? That's not really going to help us out. You've got to stop, and you've got to think about it for a minute. You, you got to start thinking about, hey, okay, what does this really mean? What is this saying? What does this tell me about God? What difference is this going to make in my life? And, and take a moment to start really processing what it is that you have read. A Puritan pastor, Thomas Watson, said the reason we come away so cold from reading the word 
is because we do not warm ourselves at the fire of meditation. The idea is lots of times we didn't get anything about out of the Bible today well, because we didn't spend any time actually starting to think about it. Okay, I, I read these words, and maybe I had to do some digging to understand what they mean, but what does this really have to do with my life? What does this really tell me about God? And this might be actually one rare time where I might encourage somebody, hey, just strictly to read less. Because if you're just cramming your time, whatever time you have to spend in God's word, so full that all you do is just kind of getting through it, getting through it. Okay, I'm out of time. I'm, I'm done. It's probably, probably really not the best setup for your time. You're going to have an easier time digesting something sometimes if you take a more manageable bite. Having time to, to read something, but then also I need to start chewing on this. I, I need to start thinking about this. So we graze in God's word or through daily practice of reading the Bible, through listening to great Bible teaching, all kinds of ways that we can graze on God's word. But as we do that, before we leave it, we start to think about it. We start to process it. We start to actually take it from the page and take it into our own lives. Well, what, what is this going to mean for me? What difference does this make? And then we start thinking about, okay, how can I come back to this? Throughout my day, like he says in Psalm 119 there, oh, how I love your law, it is my meditation all the day. How can I actually think about that? Well, let's just take an example. If you are reading, if you're reading through the daily Bible reading with us, yesterday we were at the beginning part of Romans, oops, there we go. We were at the beginning part of Romans chapter 15. So maybe you're reading, you're doing the daily Bible reading, but as you read, you start to Chew on it a little bit, and you come back to this verse, maybe that, maybe it's a verse that stuck out at you, and so you start looking at Romans 15, 13, which says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope, or hopefully, maybe at the end of the time in your word, you start zeroing in on, you know what, I want to think about this more. I, I kind of want to take this with me and, and keep chewing on it. In my mind. So you pull it out and you take a screenshot of it or whatever on your phone and make that your wallpaper. You write it on a note card or you start just kind of memorizing the, the verse, whatever it may be. And so now you've grazed it, you've started to chew on it, and now as you go about your day, so you have that lull in, in work at the office or you have that moment of quiet in the house or as you're driving along, whatever it might be. Then you kind of bring it back up in your mind, and you start to chew on this a little bit more. And how do you actually do that? The simplest way is just you start turning it around over and over again in your mind, even just going through it and focusing word by word, thinking about the different parts of it, even starting to think, whoa, may the God of hope, isn't that an interesting way to describe God? He is the God of hope, and that's not the way the world is. Uh, the world is in a world of hope. I, I don't get filled with hope when I uh, read the newspaper. Uh, that doesn't just, oh man, this is just an awesome place. No, but when I start thinking about God, he is the God of hope. And well, what is he going to do? He's going to fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Joy, peace, I want that. How am I going to get that? Well, through believing. And you start Thinking about that, if I really want joy in my life, if I really want peace in my life, the path to that is trusting in God, even ultimately in the sense of being a believer. 
being someone that is saved, that is going to make my life now define the fruit of the Spirit by joy and peace, among other things. But even in the little moments, how am I going to get that joy? How am I going to get that peace? By believing. And, and that comes then so that through the power of the Holy Spirit, start thinking about that, the power of the Holy Spirit, what kind of power is that? Well, maybe then you start thinking about other verses in the Bible that describe that power as the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. That's the power that's at work in me. That's a pretty incredible thing. So that you may abound, abound. Well, that's a strong word. The idea is overflowing. That, that's a lot. Not just, hey, you're going to have a little bit of hope to hold on to. No, you're going to be overflowing, abundant hope. And then just thinking again at the end about hope. What is the hope of the Christian life? And over and over again in the New Testament, that's going to point us to the future. That we have a hope that can't be taken away from us. A hope and an inheritance that ultimately ends in heaven. A hope that ultimately ends in being with Christ forever. In all these ways then, just throughout your day, you can, you can just kind of keep chewing on this verse and all the different parts. And then you start thinking about, you know, as you internalize it, as it starts as God's word kind of goes deeper inward, it's going to get you focused upward. And as you meditate on God's word, you're going to start to really meditate on God himself. And your gaze is going to be elevated to think of God's character, God's nature, what he's like, how awesome he is. It's going to elevate your eyes to, to heaven and things that are truly important and truly eternal. And as it goes inward and then upward, it's going to start making you think outward going to start making you think, okay, may the God of hope fill me with all joy and peace and believing so that the power of the Spirit, I may abound in hope. Okay, what's that actually going to look like in my life today? What will my life look like if that's really true on the inside? If I'm really thinking that God is the God of hope and I'm trusting in Him, what difference is that going to make? And so we keep chewing on God's Word, but what we see is when we chew on it, what we're really doing is digesting it to where it's actually not just going to go in one ear and out the other, but it's actually going to become a part of who we are and a part of how we live our lives every day. So chew on God's word, graze on it, start to chew on it a little bit, even as you wrap up your, your reading, start thinking about it, and then throughout your day, keep bringing it back up into your mind. Keep chewing on it. Now, the question is, I mean, that, nothing we've said so far is like rocket science, but the thing is, why don't we do that more? Why might we have a little bit of, trouble identifying with the psalmist when he says, it is my meditation all the day. Why is that? Well, maybe we don't totally understand what that idea of meditation means. Well, hopefully now we've kind of taken care of that a little bit. One of the biggest obstacles to this that we're facing in, in our lives is distraction. Maybe it's the pace of life with which, at which we live. Maybe it's your phone that's always there, the TV, internet, the endless supply of ways that we have to fill our time. I mean, as a culture, we've pretty much done everything we can to eliminate time to just sit and think. It's like that's what a lot of people have. Just don't want to ever get to that point where I'm just sitting there doing nothing, thinking, whoa. And there, even there used to be a lot of time in culture to do this because you didn't, couldn't get everything right away. Even just like getting from point A to point B, you had to walk. And that like took time. And you couldn't like be you know, doing whatever you're doing on your phone while you were walking. You just had to walk and, and think. And we've tried to eliminate a lot of those time. When we think about having time to kill, well, we have like an endless arsenal of, le of weapons with which to kill said time. I mean, we can kill whatever time 
we've got. We've got so many things that we could go to in that, those moments. But here's the thing. One thing I read recently on this discussion of, traction, of distraction made a good point that as Christians, you don't have time to kill. You have time to redeem. That's what we want to think about as God's people. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Let's just jump out of Psalm 119 for a moment. Let's go to the New Testament. Ephesians 5, and then let's go to verse 15. Ephesians 5, 15. And that says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. That's what we're talking about, the way of wisdom, living life well. And, and what's wise? Verse 16, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. That's what we want to do as Christians. We want to make the best use of the time, which should lead us to take more moments of our day that we can kind of fritter away on other things and spend those moments chewing on God's word. But here's the thing, distraction, that's not the core reason why we don't meditate on God's word like we should be. If we're back in Psalm 119, which we're going to spend the rest of the time now working through that section really uh, briefly, the reason why we can't Many of us really say with a whole heart, yes, it is my meditation all the day. The real problem we have with the second part of verse 97 is we can't really identify with the first part of verse 97. That we can't truly say with him, oh, how I love your law. That's the real problem. It's not the internet. It's not SportsCenter. It's not Pinterest. It's not your phone. That's not the reason why you're not meditating on God's word, it's a heart problem. We, we don't think God's word is that good. And so why? Why should we chew on God's word? Why should we forsake other things in our you know, mental attention to focus on this? Why should we love it? Well, I just want to give us those three reasons, the three blanks you have there at the bottom of your page that we're going to get from the rest of this section in Psalm 119. Look again at the first three verses, which say, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. Three comparisons there. He's wiser than his enemies. He knows more than his teachers. He knows more than, he understands more than the aged. And the idea there, even saying, it makes me wiser than my enemies, or that part ends, verse 100, for I keep your precepts, it's getting back to wisdom. It's getting back to this skill of living, which we've been talking about. And that's first reason why well, we need to really focus on chewing on God's word, meditating, why it's good enough for us to do that, is because God's word is going to show you how to live. Chew on God's word, because it will show you how to live, which I think is something we all want. We all want to be good at this thing called life. But God's word, God says to Joshua in Joshua chapter one, hey, I know I'm preparing you for big things, but this book of the law, don't let it depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. And then guess what? You're going to be successful. Psalm one talks about the righteous man who meditates on God's word day and night. It says he is like a tree planted by streams of water that, hey, no matter what's going on around him, whatever he does, he prospers. Does this mean, hey, meditate on God's word and all, we're all going to be rich and healthy and, and, and all of that? No, it's saying you're going to have the skill of living. And when you really have wisdom, 
then a lot of the things you do and actually end up doing in life will be successful because you're going about it not like a fool, but like a wise person. And even thinking through some of those comparisons, wiser than my enemies. Well, really, if you're a believer, if your faith is in God, who, who are our enemies? Those who are opposing God. And if we think about, hey, showing us how to live, well, the basis of all of that, as we think about God's word, is going to come back to the gospel, the, the basic things of, that the Bible teaches, that you, we are all sinners. And we have a problem with God, but God presented a solution to that problem through his son, Jesus Christ who came, lived the perfect life that we couldn't live, who died on the cross for our sins, who rose again to give us eternal life. And then the Bible makes it pretty clear, okay, then repent, turn from your sins, and put your faith in that God. Make Jesus your Savior and your Lord. That's the key to living life. Well, the most fundamental key. And where are we going to see that? We're going to see that in God's Word. And as soon as we put our faith in Christ, as soon as we turn from our wickedness, guess what? You're going to be wiser than your enemies. The Bible is very clear. There's two kinds of people in this world. There's the righteous, there's the wicked, there's the wise, and there's the fool. The ultimate wisdom, the ultimate righteousness is found in the gospel. Christ is our righteousness. Or 1 Corinthians 1 talks about it's the foolish things of the world that God chose to use to really be wisdom. And in Christ, he is our wisdom. He is our righteousness. And this alone is going to just open up a new world to you as a believer. This is the path to real life. And you want to know what real life you really want to live? Well, then live forever. Eternal life. That's what we get from God's word. But then we think about the other important things in life that we have to deal with. Things like marriage. Is God's word going to give us, I mean, we all want to have good marriages, right? What's the roadmap to that going to be? It's going to be God's word. And even what you need, you get through some of the comparisons there, you kind of think, man, is whoever writing Psalm 119, are they kind of an arrogant person? I have more understanding than my teachers. I know more than the, than the aged. What's he saying? Well, he's saying studying God's word and really meditate on, t- meditating on